Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 57, Beatbox. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who never finished a game of Monopoly in his life, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to Session 57 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm recording this on a Saturday night. Um, Actually, now that I look at it, it's actually Sunday morning now, and I'm trying to get this all put together for you so that I can have it go live by Wednesday. I try to get these shows live for you by Wednesday now that we're at the uh, weekly schedule um, for the podcast, and the reason I mention this today is because in about eight hours, I'm going to be boarding a plane that heads to Nashville, Tennessee, to attend and speak at Michael Hyatt's platform conference, which I'm extremely excited about. I'm totally stoked. It's going to be so much fun because, why well, I, I for one, right now I'm just in love with public speaking, and uh, I, you know, as nervous as I get before presenting, I still enjoy it like mad. But also, I'm excited to meet Michael in person. We haven't crossed crossed paths physically yet, uh, although we've become pretty uh, pretty good acquaintances online and primarily through through Twitter and email. Uh, he's an incredibly nice man who just knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, he's got a, a tremendous following, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, he's a new book that just came out called Platform. Uh, now this live event to go along with it, totally awesome. And so happy to meet Michael, his crew over in Nashville, and everyone else who's going to be attending the conference. By the time you listen to this, it'll either be the last day of the conference on a Wednesday, uh, which is when I speak, or in the future, and uh, the event will have already passed. Either way, I hope I can follow up later about the event and maybe give you some video footage or at least some pictures of, of me speaking and other people speaking. I'll definitely keep you posted, though. Now, for today, in sort of alignment with my trip to Nashville, I sort of timed it this way. Um, a lot of you know Nashville is a hub for music here in the United States, and I'm excited to welcome my guest, David Hooper, on the show, who's actually from Nashville and is in the music industry. He's he's in the music business. He does music marketing. And we're going to be talking a bit about some of the interesting parallels between the music industry and what we're doing, like online business and internet marketing entrepreneurship. There are a lot of interesting similarities and lessons we can learn from his experience in the music industry. So uh, let, let's get right into the interview where I start talking about how we've actually come to know each other. So uh, enjoy. So David from musicmarketing.com, he and I know each other because actually uh, of a mastermind group. And you've heard me talk about mastermind groups lately a lot. Um, so important, not just because of the great advice you can get from your peers and the accountability part of it, but also because you get a chance to become good friends with people. And a lot of you know I'm in a mastermind group with Jamie Tardy from eventualmillionaire.com, along with Todd Trester from financialmentor.com and Roger Russell from remarkablyhuman.com. But David, uh, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the, actually the one who put this group together with Jamie Tardy a few years ago, right? You know, I think the way that it worked is I was looking for something and she was looking for something and she saw that I was looking to start one up and she said, hey, I, I'm doing that too. So uh -huh. come on over here. And I said, great. Yeah, and it's been amazing. I mean, uh, 
that was a few years back and it's still going strong. We're adding more people. I know you had to bail because you had a, you have a ton of stuff going on and, and just tell us exactly what you've been up to lately. You know what? The last two years I have a, a publishing business. I'm primarily in the, in the music marketing business. Also have a syndicated radio show. So we're recording every week and putting out new shows every week. But the last two years I've actually spent writing a book and I'm not a natural born writer. So it has taken me two years instead of about 30 to 60 oh, days like I thought it would. <laughs> I know but, all about but, that. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, Pat. This is what you're preaching. You're preaching smart passive income. It's because I've set up smart passive income that I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. So you've been able to have this time to write this book while still having these other things in motion. I mean, you have a ton of other books that are, that are live on Amazon and stuff, right? I do. I, I, mean, I probably have about 10 books under my name. The, the difference between this one and some of the other ones is that this one really, I, I joke around about two years, and, and that's true, but it actually took about 17 years. I've been in business for 17 years, and this is, in a lot of ways, like my, my life's work. And I knew I was going to go big with this one, and I wanted it done right. I mean, brought in the editing team. We actually had five editors wow. on this one just to make sure nothing got through that wasn't supposed to get through because, like I said, I'm, I'm not a natural-born writer. And, and that was actually one of the good lessons you just want to start out with a great lesson sure. is that and I know you're a musician, Pat, and when you start playing music, you don't, you know, a lot of these kids now that, that play like, you know, rock band or these video games that are music oriented, mm-hmm. that makes it seem like it's really, really easy, but it's years and years of practice. And the same thing for writers, you know, we look at a person with a book and all we know is that they just released a book like Stephen King. We don't see the editing and we don't see the rewrites and we don't see the writer's block and everything that they had to go through to get it. Right. And that was a really, really good lesson for me because even knowing that, even saying that, you know, I know it on one level, but when you have to experience it, you're used to so many people that make it look easy. I know a lot of people probably do that with you and they look at your monthly income reports. It's, oh, you know, this is easy, but they don't see probably 90% of what you do to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, the people that really know me know how much work I put into the site. And, you know, a lot of people see that first income report from October 2008. They're like, wow, you made $8,000 the first month you released that book. But then what I always have to tell people and remind them, and and I, I remind them without them even asking because I want them to I want them to know that that site was up for two years building an audience before I even started monetizing it I mean without that two years of of, of constant work you know two or three hours a day on the site pumping content out there uh, for this exam uh, in the lead industry I mean it, I wouldn't have been able to launch a book like I did yeah well in, in the music industry we say you know every overnight since every overnight success takes seven years <laughs> seven you know, years just because you're hearing about them right now doesn't mean they weren't working yeah, I mean, there's so many examples of that in business. And, and for those of you on, on the podcast or listening to the podcast podcast right now, I mean, this isn't really going to be an interview with David about his book, although we're going to get into it because there's a lot of great parallels between what is inside his book and what we're doing, all of us uh, in, in this kind of internet business, online marketing space. Um, but this, this will be just kind of like a, I mean, David and I are cool together. I mean, we, we have great chats with each other and we're just going to talk and it's like you guys are there listening uh, like fly on the wall status. So, and, and, and I'll try to throw in some of the lessons because I, I think I'm a real believer in mindset. Like That's what I've written about in the past because I really think that is the foundation mm-hmm. of success. I mean, you have to be willing to have that tenacity and you have to be willing to have the belief in yourself that things are going to get better even when things are rough. And there's a lot of lean, lean times that you go through as an entrepreneur. And that's really what separates the successful people from those that were not successful. Like Pat, you know, you, you lost your job uh, doing architectural work. And it would be very, very easy to go out and get another job. There's some true grit that you have to have to kind of stick it out during those lean months when you're learning. But if you can get past that, that's when the action really starts to happen. And the right. same thing happened to me. The same thing happens to every entrepreneur that I know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, and there are things during that lean period where you can kind of make things happen a little faster, you know, getting the right education, hooking up with the right people. Again, mastermind groups, all those things played an important role in, in, a, in my journey, at least. And I'm glad you talked about, you know, being confident in yourself because one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Henry Ford. And it's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a, a placard on my wall that says that because I just look at that every day and I just 
try and believe in myself as much as possible. Without, I mean, it's true. If you don't believe you could do something, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of lessons from Henry Ford. One of them was the assembly line. People always give Henry Ford the credit for assembly line. Mm-hmm. That actually came from a pork processing plant. He was looking outside of his industry. You know, the way cars were done was completely different. But he said, well, you know, this pork processing plant, that seems to work for pork. Maybe it will work for cars. So he did that. A lot of innovation comes from outside the industry. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually one of the things that I talk about in, in my new book, Six Figure Musician, is how a lot of things that musicians are doing to market themselves now, it didn't come from the music marketing space. It came from other spaces. Right, right. So, so and, and same thing for I- internet marketing as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's all kinds of parallels between all kinds of other things and internet marketing. We'll, we'll get into that. So, so your book, Six Figure Musician, uh, and the subtitle is How to Sell More Music, Get More People to Your Shows, and Make More Money in the Music Business. Um, you can actually find it right now. It's just launched uh, uh, on musicianbook.com. I mean, he's, you're taking years of experience in the music industry and putting it into this book. Um, because as, as you mentioned, I saw this on your website, you know, there's more opportunity today for musicians and songwriters than ever before. I mean, why, why do you think that is? Well, one of the reasons is because distribution is not an issue anymore. It used to be, so I'm 40 years old. I started in the music business really when I was in college. I was you know, working at record stores, and I was in bands before that playing as a performer. But, for example, working in the record store, a band would have to record something. They would have to put it on what we call a phono record. And a phono record is a like, physical, mm-hmm. not just like a record, but a CD, an 8-track, a cassette or something. Put it on a truck get it to a distribution company. At the distribution company, they would have to get it to the store and then it would go to the end user. Now, you just pop it on the internet, it goes directly to the end user and we don't have any of these kind of distribution issues. Also, distribution is cheaper now. So much so that I'm actually giving this book away for free because it doesn't cost me anything to print it up. It doesn't cost me anything to put it on a truck, get it to a distributor, get it to the retailer, and get it to somebody because every time you do that, it's like they take a chunk of the money. So if you were to sell a book for like ten dollars, you might end up with you know a buck or two, maybe after you consider the paper and everybody taking their cut. So the biggest issue I, I think that uh, is not an issue really. The biggest thing that I, I think is really great for musicians, any creative people, and also internet marketers is, is that we have distribution. We've got a platform. You can put up a blog today and have anybody in the world read it tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. But with w- what comes with that is huge competition and just you know a sea of people doing all the same stuff. I mean, how do you stand out? I mean, as a musician or any creative person uh, in in this in this freely, easily distributed um, content type of world. You know, that's one of the things that uh, I think is the irony of the the internet is that <laughs> the way you stand out is by getting off the internet. <laughs> that's so true. Right? Because when, for like a musician, I, I say, man, you know, don't think that you can put up a YouTube video and just have, have uh, you know, folks, folks buy your records or whatever it is that you're trying to do, make you famous. Mm-hmm. When you're out there doing a live show, and you know this because you do a lot of public speaking, I really feel that anybody who can go out and touch as many senses as you can, you're going to have a natural advantage over the people that are just online. Like you and I know each other. We've spoken to each other for hours just through this mastermind group. So that's that's one sense, hearing people. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to develop a little bit more rapport. If I see you where I can shake your hand and and, and smell you. I don't mean to get weird, Pat. Uh, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to wear my cologne because we're actually right. gonna, we're actually going to meet um, hopefully when I head up to Nashville for Michael. Coming to Nashville, which is where I am, Music City, USA. But it, you know, if, if you think about like going to like a live show, this is one of the reasons uh, the bands stand out that are doing this is that that you you go into a club and you smell the the stale beer and, and the sweat, mm-hmm. body odor, and smoke machines, and you you hear the guitars and you feel the vibration if they're loud enough and you're bumping into people and you're having this interactive experience with all of your senses. And I, I think that's one of the things. I mean, don't think that you can just sit there on your computer. I think the computers are a great tool. And I was really blown away when I first got online, like the number of other people that were like me. And it just got me connected to like a real uh, massive pool of people like instantly 
but the ones that I've really connected with are the ones that I've met in person. So that that would be that would be the suggestion. I yeah, mean, I, I, I think it's it's so easy. The, the issue is there's really not a barrier to getting online, and the barriers, like I talked about, for example, putting a book out or putting a CD out or putting a product out that you used to have printing or distribution, you know, that weeds some people out. And one of the barriers that you can get through right away is just by, by meeting people in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And it's funny because each one of those senses that you touch is a different way that people can remember you or who you are or that experience. And I think, I think that's really important. I mean, I think they say well, smells, I mean, once you smell something that, it, it, I forgot what the exact quote is, but it smell is like the one sense that like if you, smell something from the past it brings back all these memories and photos it's the, mo- it's the most memorable and that could be why you know perfume industry is one of the largest industries in the world so how do we make our blogs and our website properties smell good <laughs> <laughs> that would be the, a great uh that would be a great um headline for this podcast actually <laughs> <laughs> the crisp refreshing smell yeah, smartincome.com. <laughs> I mean, you, you could say, oh, go outside and read this in nature. I mean, that that's <laughs> you can't uh, you can't make your blog smell any better. But what you can do, and I, I think you've done a really good job of this, is uh, and we're doing it right now. Is, is like podcasts. We've got mm-hmm. audio here where people can hear you and really get a feel for your personality. Certainly, you've done a really great job of video. And I'm going to do more video. I mean, I think I think podcasting and video is just going to blow up this year. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's getting it's getting so easy, and and you know what is really amazing, and and, um, you just turned thirty. I've got to congratulate you on that. Thank you. So, as as a thirty year old, you have grown up with this technology that a lot of people, like I'm forty, haven't. So you're seeing a lot of people in in their twenties and and early thirties that are very very comfortable, and we're seeing some really really great video, Mm -hmm. and that wasn't a skill that thirty year olds would have had ten or twenty years ago, definitely. So, you know, that's one of the things I think, I think using uh, photos, using images and just changing things up. So you're hitting like a different part of the brain every time somebody comes to your blog. I know there are a lot of blogs that are text. You know, when I got online, Pat, this is going to date me a little bit, but I got online pretty early, but you're talking about like 92, 93. The web didn't really exist. There were just a very few websites. We had this thing called Gopher and it was all text. And you would go for like to CD connection. You could order your CDs. It wasn't like Amazon, uh-huh. all text. And you know, you think about that kind of experience. You've got some people that are still kind of stuck in that age of you know twenty years ago, where they're all text. Well, these days you can bring in multimedia into it, and you can also by doing that show part of your personality, which I think is great. It's one of the things you've done really well. Is it, it's authentic. It's real. You can't fake it on video. No, it's hard to. Very hard to. Yeah, well, if you look at the IM community, you'll see that the people that are very successful now in IM internet marketing, for those that don't know, the people who are successful now are not like the guys that were successful 10 or 15 years ago. Those guys were traditionally direct mail people that came over to the internet and just used it as a new platform. So they were using what we do in direct mail, which is text. Right, with emails and stuff. What's that? With With their email lists and... Yeah, email list and just those one-page long sales letter websites. And I think that that stuff is great. But it was kind of like, you know, if, if you think about the music industry, this is a, another music industry parallel that I think people can really relate to. If you look at like the 1970s, there weren't a whole lot of videos. And when the 1980s came along, when MTV came along especially, when people were starting to do more videos, it became more important that your band look good. I mean, musicians used to be a bunch of nerds, man. (laughs) They were nerds. 60s and 70s, you know, some of them were a little flaky and things like that. But if you look at somebody like Janis Joplin, not exactly video ready. (laughs) Right, right. Would not be a a hit today. And that's really sad because she's got something, something to offer. But with that said, you know, I, I think it's it's the authenticity, and I think that's kind of where we're we're kind of like the pendulum is going going back the other way. We've had the the super sick, slick stuff of the '80s, and now we're getting to where we own something real. That's why reality television is so popular, mm-hmm. and it, it, if if that is in fact real, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, there's a, there's that's there's a lot of argument against that. But um, you, you talk about authenticity, and I want to ask you this question. I've I've been wanting to ask someone who's an expert in music. For a while, because I've been noticing lately, and we can talk about how this kind of parallels with with internet marketing too. But you know, I've been noticing a lot of these great bands start up recently, just with the age of YouTube, by 
covering other people's music in different styles. Like Carmen um, did a cover of a, of a Chris Brown song where she rapped like uh, a Busta Rhymes part super fast and she got super famous for that. And now she has her own record. Um, there's a, a lot of people like Boyce Avenue who's blowing up. Um, I don't know if you know who they are. Um, they started by doing covers of really great songs and really popular songs to get in front of their crowd and then introduce them to their music. Right now I have like sort of mixed feelings about that. And I, I mean, I, I will admit I do love listening to covers of songs, but you know, then you get the whole intellectual property thing and you know, then people are making money off of covers on iTunes. I mean, what's your play on that? Well, first of all, if, if a cover song is on iTunes, the writer is getting paid for it. Okay. So, so and anybody who, who's, who's, uh, it's also same, same as YouTube. YouTube has, has agreements with record labels and with publishing companies, the people who own the underlying composition record labels are the people who own the, um, the recording itself. So they've got agreements that they're going to pay, you know, and they pay out a lot of money for that. So, so all that stuff is, is legal. And, you know, I think it's great. I think what it does, I think it leverages something that's already popular you know, among a lot of bloggers, there's something called newsjacking. Mm-hmm. And an example of newsjacking would be, for example, you know, gun control is really hot right now or what, whatever, presidential election or the Olympics or whatever's going on in the world. There are a lot of people searching for it at any one time. And a lot of people will, you know, 10 tips that you can learn from the NRA right. or 10 tips you can learn from blank, blank Olympic athlete. So, to me, it's just leverage, and, and I think it's an opportunity to, um, you know, use something that already has some momentum to get attention your way. Also, for me, I think it's really good for what I call the life of a song. And I'll give you a, a great example of a life of a song. I've got a friend of mine. His name is Buzz Kaysen. You've probably never heard of Buzz Kaysen, but Buzz wrote a song called Everlasting Love. Uh-huh. And you probably heard one of the versions of Everlasting Love. One of them was by Gloria Stefan. One of them is by uh, U2. I mean, there's probably, it's been, a, it's been a hit every decade. So you could consider those songs covers, right? Just like I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston did it. It was a Dolly Parton song. She wrote it and she also recorded it. Mm-hmm. That extends the life of a song, which I think is really exciting. And I think it's an opportunity for songwriters to get paid. And I think it's an opportunity for people to experience just amazing music again and again. So I think that that's really good. Here's the issue with it is that if you don't bring something original to it, it's like anybody can come on and knock you off. Yeah. And I, we have an example in my book about this with Harry Connick Jr., and we could use, if you want a more modern example, Michael Buble. Now, why are you going to go get a Michael Buble song when Frank Sinatra may or may not have done it better, depending on your taste? So it'll be interesting to see like what he brings to the table. I, I think it's really important to have something that people cannot copy, which is another reason that I like live events, is you, you can't copy them. Yeah. That's true. It's very interesting. So, so what else? What are, I mean, this is so interesting to hear about the music industry and kind of exactly how it plays into uh, internet marketing and online business. What, what are a couple of other things that you feel um, are really important for us to to understand? You know, one of the things that I, I think is really great from the music industry is keep going. When you got something, it'll go for a little while. You're going to hit a bump in the road. Mm-hmm change it up and keep going. And, and I've got di- different examples of that uh, related to the music industry. For example, this is <laughs> this is kind of a controversial one to start off with. R. Kelly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. R. Kelly, famous R&B singer, got into some legal trouble, kept going. Yeah, he you did. Just, you fight it, you keep releasing records, you keep doing your thing. Don't, don't let that stuff get derailed. Like if you have uh, Van Halen, for example, the singer leaves, you get a new singer. Sometimes you're going to have more success, which they did with their second singer, Third singer, not so much. Did they let it stop him? Nope. nope. They kept going. Now they have the original singer back in there. Kiss is a great example of that. I mean, Kiss, uh, you know, they, they, they kept going. They took the makeup off. They brought in some new people. Mm-hmm. Then they did the same thing like I'm talking about with Van Halen. They put the makeup back on when, when that got tired. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think that's huge. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, Pat, because I think you make it look so easy and I know because I'm in there with you that it's not. But you run into stuff like this all the time, and there has to be that decision when you're like, "All right, am I going to keep going?" 
Yeah, no, that there's I definitely come to those walls every once in a while. And I think what ki- what keeps me going is just trying something new. And I think that's kind of where I am very lucky is I have this platform on the Smart Passive Income blog where I have the opportunity and people expect me to try new things and kind of be the crash test dummy, which keeps me excited and it keeps me going. Um, and really, I, th- I think it's just listening to the to the fans and, and trying to understand what they want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a real important part of it is that you have to have, some people call it your why, because sometimes things get really tough, either financially or emotionally or, you know, you've got other things going on in your life. You've got a couple kids and, and that could totally derail what you're doing. So you've got to be really clear on why you want to do it because you're having to make sacrifices to do it. And I think when you're really clear on why you want to do it and you know you know the re- the reason for your actions. You know that makes it easier to to work around some of the the bumps in the road. Right. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, a lot of people know that I'm doing sort of a redesign right now. It's right now. It's early 2013 for those of you listening to this in the future. My redesign may already be up when you're listening to this. Um, but I had uh, Chase Reeves and and Corbett Barr from uh, Fizzle dot Co and and ThinkTraffic dot net. They came down to San Diego to help me with my redesign. And uh, in exchange, I would do some courses for fizzle.co and stuff like that. And, and we rented a conference room in downtown San Diego, and we just brainstormed about kind of where I wanted the site to go. And one of the first questions that was asked of me was, Pat, why, why are you doing what you do on Smart Passive Income? And it was really, you know, I, I was like, oh, I really want to help people. Well, why? You know, why, why, why? I kept asking why and getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that's one thing a lot of us can do with, uh, you know, when we're trying to figure out kind of where to go next or, you know, if we feel like we kind of forgot why we are doing what we're doing, it's, it's just to keep asking you why. I think it was, um, there's a Japanese term for it. It's, uh, I don't even know. But yeah, it is, it's, it's Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. Yes, thank you. And, and that came from, uh, from the Toyota Corporation were, exactly. uh, to try and help them with problems in the assembly line. We're going back to cars in the assembly, uh, assembly line now. And basically to, to help fix the problem, you have to kind of ask yourself why five times, I think it was uh, in that example. But the more you ask yourself why, the more you're going to find out really the true root of that problem. Or if you're asking yourself why you do what you do, you're going to f- understand the true root of why you're doing what you're doing. And it basically came out, came out to, for me, you know, yeah, I want to help people, but I, I want people to feel proud of what they're doing. That's really what it came down to. Feel proud and also, you know, I am at home and I'm I'm facing challenges because I have my family to deal with and then also business and those kind of mesh together every once in a while. But I love the fact that I'm home with them, that I can witness all their firsts and be here with them. And that's what I want to give to other people by uh, helping them, you know, start online businesses and, and, and create these opportunities for themselves. I'm not the, you know, oh, you got to quit your job type of th- type of guy, even though, you know, I was very blessed to have been laid off. Um, but really, it's just kind of giving yourself the opportunities that uh, to, to live the life that you really want to live and um, being proud of, of the way that you do that, I think, because there's a lot of people in this space who, you know, maybe they've given people the opportunity to, to, to have those freedoms, but maybe they aren't doing it in such a proud manner or a way that they can, you know, I want my kids to look back years from now and and say, you know, daddy did some great stuff and he really helped a lot of people at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned Toyota. And, and and here's another thing about that. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's Kaizen, but it is spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N. So that's a great place for anybody to look up if they want to find out about how Toyota has been so successful. Mm-hmm. The other thing is about the the slow consistent improvement it's little bitty things sometimes they say small small hinges swing big doors it's a small consistent changes and that happens for musicians when they're learning how to play it happens with dancers when they're learning to dance anybody who's ever been in the gym you don't go in there you know 200 pounds <laughs> a blubber and then come out 150 pounds of all muscle it takes a long time so it's that slow consistent improvement you get better and better Every month. And I think if we look at your old uh, income statements, you'll see that you're, you're getting better and better every month. Sometimes you hit a little bit of a dip, but then you bounce back. And, and I've got another, actually another uh, a funny story about Toyota. And this is in, this is in the book. It's, and <laughs> you got me on all these Japanese words. Pat. So, <laughs> Sorry, dude. So, uh, it's, so Chiro Honda, he's the founder of Honda Motor Company. He was actually turned down from an engineering job at Toyota. He was doing piston rings. And uh, because of the poor quality, they said, uh-uh, not going not gonna to let you even work here. 
So he went on, eventually started Honda Motor Company. And that's another reason that Honda has been so, so successful. Anybody who's had a Honda knows what great cars they are, both cars, Honda and yeah, Toyota. I have a Honda and a Toyota, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, there, and, and there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. So, 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 I mean, that was his philosophy. That's how he built an amazing, they really embrace making mistakes. And I, I think that that's, that's huge. Um, we were joking around before we started recording um, about, about another idea. And I said, like, well, if it fails, you can, you can put it up and show people you make mistakes. <laughs> Wait, which were we talking about? Well, talking, talking, about, talking about doing uh, oh, like, oh, like I, the, something with iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes these ideas work and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just a punt, right? But if it fails, you learn from it. You pick up the pieces and put it back together again a little bit better next time. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, the the journey, you know, is going to have a lot of bumps in it. You know, and if you go back to some of my older content in on the blog, you'll see my writing style wasn't quite as as fine tuned as it is now, and I'm still improving. And I still get you know correction emails from some of my fans, which I actually love. You know, and it, you know, kind of puts yeah. me. You know, I'm like, thank you. Like, I totally forgot the apostrophe on its. And you know, my bad. Uh, and that's just a little reminder of me to just remember that next time, which is great. And, you know, we learn along the way. If you go back to some of my older videos, I cannot watch my older videos. Well, how about the podcast? I mean, I know this from being in, in radio that I hate to listen to those old shows. I'm like, ooh, it sounds like a, the equivalent of like a cardboard. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I can't listen to my first episodes either. And I think, you know, I get a lot of emails from people who have, you know, recently found me and then they just, take a week and listen to all my shows and they're like, wow, I, I've like noticed the improvement show after show after show. But I'm still working on it. As you probably can tell, if you were keeping track, I've probably said, um, a number of times in this episode. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not saying it, but I know I'm going to say it later when I'm not thinking about it. I just have to keep training myself and training myself along the way. Well, I, I asked you before we started recording, I said, are you going to edit this? Because I'm used to a very heavily edited show. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, there it goes, right? It, <laughs> it allows me to make mistakes, which I think sometimes is good, but there's, there's something to be said about leaving the mistakes in because what you're doing is not perfect. And even though it's not perfect, you're still doing very, very well at it, as am I. And I think that's important to, you know, let me give you a music business example. This is a great one. I don't know if you're an ACDC fan. but uh, Back in Black. Okay, so before Back in Black, the very first record, it's called High Voltage. If you listen to High Voltage, the guitars aren't even in tune with each other. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't stop them from putting out a record, right? Uh-huh. So if you listen to a lot of the old music, and I think probably Back in Black has some of these things. As a matter of fact, it, it does, because the drummer, Phil Rudd, the drummer plays behind the beat. There's something about that ACDC sound that the, the drums are a little bit off. Eventually, you know, they get rid of this guy, Phil, and brought in some other guys, Chris Slade for one, much better drummer technically, but it wasn't that ACDC sound. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Well, they went back to Phil Rudd. This goes back to what I was talking about about some of these other bands. Like you can try something, and if it doesn't work, you can always go back. Yeah. So an, another huge lesson, I, I think musicians have done a really, really good job of that. They just try. Because it really, when you think about music, music is art. And music is about making a connection with people. But so is smartpassiveincome.com. So is this podcast. Everything that we do is art. It does not have to be perfect. It's about making a connection. And people would rather have something that's real and authentic than perfect. That's why a, a drum machine, which is technically perfect, has a, book on, or has a button on it. It's called Humanize. So a drum machine that gives you a perfect beat will actually mess up the beat just a little bit because the human ear actually likes that better. It's so funny. That is really funny. It's funny. I was working with, uh, I said funny like four times just now, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like so self-conscious about what I'm saying. Uh, I had a speaking coach for my recent presentation at New Media Expo, and it was such a great experience working with him. One of the first things we talked about was he was at, he asked me, how do you normally prepare for a speech? This is like our first meeting together. And I told him I used to script everything. I would memorize 20 pages of words for a 45 minute presentation and I would just know it front to back. And I think that helped that that helped, you know, getting that deep into the material, but it kind of hindered me as well 
and this is what he told me. He's like, you're you're not allowing yourself to to be natural and 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 be creative while you're presenting. So what he suggested was, you know, you memorize the intro just so you have that down and choreographed, and you memorize the outro, the kind of finer points you want to say. But the, in the middle, you just you just kind of bullet point what you want to go over and just talk now naturally. And it's going to be so much better. It's going to be more natural. It's going to be more pat or more you. And I did that. And I got a lot of great comments about that. Uh, people who have seen me in my previous presentations and in my latest one, they're just like, Pat, that, you sounded like you were just on your podcast or you sounded more natural. And it was because I didn't script it, but I knew the material well enough where I didn't have to worry. I, I love that. I think that's a million dollar tip right there. And, and I can completely relate because I talked about earlier about the very early radio shows that I do, that I did. Uh, and, and by the way, this is at musicbusinessradio.com. If you want to listen to to some of the stuff, it's me interviewing music industry people, artists, A&R guys, mm-hmm. record label presidents. Anyway, but I, w- I was actually scripting the intros and the outros and I would have the questions in between where I, I thought people were going to go. And it ended up sounding bad. And I, I remember, you know, what the producer told me, he said, man, just, you know, just do it like you're talking to me, put the script down and just do it. And it sounded so much better. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think part of that is just having the confidence to do it and, and trusting yourself. That's another huge entrepreneurial lesson, isn't it? Just trusting yourself and trusting that it's going to be okay. It's scary. You don't know what's going to be on the other side of the wall, mm-hmm. but you trust that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect either. Like like we were talking about, and I think that's that's really important because that was actually a big issue I had when first starting, especially with the videos and the podcasts. You know, I did quite a few takes of that first podcast episode. I did a number of takes of a lot of the videos that I've done, and now I'm just whatever. I just put it out there, and I'm improving my skills along the way, and it's just more natural. People enjoy it more. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's still scary in a way. I imagine. Uh, I, I remember I, I sent you some stuff before we did this conversation. I sent you some bullet points, and you sent just like a one line email back. Hey, man, we're just going to kind of have a discussion. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So now I got to prepare for everything, right? But the truth is, if you know the material, I know the material. You know the material when you go on stage. I mean, if you prepare, which mm-hmm. we always do, there, there's only a certain amount of, of preparation that you can get, and you know, one of the things that, that uh, I think is really interesting, I was taking stand-up comedy, like writing, uh, like Second City, and also I've done some stand-up comedy where I'm performing just to get better at my public presentation. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is that those guys are, are prepared. They make it look really, really good when they've got a heckler or somebody drops a glass, like a waitress drops a glass, mm-hmm. or a siren goes by. They look, oh, well, that was off the cuff. But it's it's not so there so there's a balance i mean i think you you prepare for what you think might go wrong but you know eventually something's going to happen you've got no idea right can't, can't prepare for everything totally now i'm on musicianbook.com i'm looking at kind of I, I think you have it broken down into chapters or the points that you make in this book and there's a few of them i want to point out before you finish up because okay. i i can't believe we've already spoken for this long it just feels like it's been 10 minutes and i know we could talk for hours and maybe we'll have to get you back on the show because this stuff is awesome okay well i hope everybody else feels that way <laughs> well i feel that way so <laughs> well, well, well here's what we say in the in the direct marketing business we say it can never be too long only too boring yes so david okay so this is probably a question that a lot of people have since I have someone in the music business on. You know, if I had, you know, if I wanted to break into to music and, and start a career in music, you know, what would be my steps? You know, there are a lot of ways to do it. How I would recommend doing it, and I, th- I think a lot of people will relate that are listening to this, whether they're bloggers or in the internet marketing space is it come up with good content. And with music, we have a saying here in Nashville, the songwriting capital of the world, that it all begins with a song. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say to focus on your writing. And the great thing about that is, as a musician, you can have a second life as a writer. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, okay, so, so, okay so, so we have a good song, obviously. But I know a lot of people who are just like bedroom musicians and, you know, garage musicians and they have amazing songs. They have great songs or at least I think they have great songs and they probably think they have great songs, songs too. And I know a lot of musicians probably think that they have great songs, but how, you know, from there kind of what would you, hey, you know, how, how, how would you get people to, how, how would you get the world to understand you have a great song? Well, the, the next thing you need to do is, is you need to record it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, I mean, you see a lot of guys uh, popping up on YouTube 
which I think is just unbelievable. Um, is what a cool way to to break, right? You can do it from your bedroom. We always used to joke around that these great guitar players coming out of Nashville goes, well, there's probably some guy in his bedroom who's better than you. You just never heard of him. <laughs> and, and and now we can find out, right? And really, some of these guys, it's it's like, wow, uh, real music still exist. I, I'm blown away by some of the discoveries that I've seen. So, so I would say, you know, a good recording and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It could be on YouTube. Um, you probably heard the saying that, that perfect is the enemy of good mm-hmm. because if you worry too much about it, 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 it never comes out. And I think one of the kind of the cool things about YouTube is you see this all the time. People will put something out there and they'll think, ah, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to see this, but they put it out and it takes off. And, and I think the reason for that, and this is probably the biggest thing I would tell upcoming musicians, is the authenticity of it. It's like the full expression of yourself. I mean, how cool if you could go back and talk to your, because you're a musician, Pat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I play the trumpet and, you know, sure, I, yeah. I, I dabble on the guitar a little bit, you know. But, but, but th- think about your, your trumpet playing or even guitar or any, any instrument. If you could go back and see your your fifteen year old self before you had been just kind of beaten down, and you know sometimes we know too much about the music business. I, I think that's why I didn't continue as a musician. It's like I got to watch sausage get made, and and I think one of the cool things about the internet is you can just put that stuff out there, and you're seeing this full expression when people are so excited about music because it really is an exciting thing to play mm-hmm. and to perform and to write and to have other people react to it by like dancing. And, and, and I think that would be the next thing is to get it out there in some way. For a lot of guys, that's going to be uh, like a live show. You know, back in the day when I was a musician, we didn't have computers to record on. We were recording on tape and it, right. wasn't, it wasn't nearly as easy. But uh, that can be done through like a live show. It can be done through, um, through, through recording. And, and again, it's, it's the, um, to, to give the parallel, you know, the, the good song, you would say like good content. And if you've got a song in your heart, as we say, uh, that's that's great, but it, it needs to get out there. And the good recording, that would be like what you do with your blog, Pat, or this podcast. I mean, you, ha- you have to have some way to get it out to people. It could be live one-on-one. I know you do a lot of public speaking as well. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think, you know, even beyond the blog, and this is why I have this sort of be everywhere strategy. You know, the blog, I compare it to, you know, throwing a message in, uh, in a bottle and pu- putting a message in a bottle and throwing it into the ocean. You know, you're not going to know i mean when you start a blog nobody knows about it um, but when you put stuff on platforms like youtube or on itunes that's where people are already who are potentially looking for what you have to offer so that's why I, i'm really glad you said youtube for musicians i think youtube's great for for anybody who has something to say um, or, or something to share especially if it comes from the heart and also the podcast as, as many people know who are listening to this the podcast is in wonders for me and I think that's why it's important. You know, I think, a, a, you know, putting a, putting stuff on a blog is great. And, and that should be the hub because that's where all the action happens. That's where clicking happens. But kind of reaching out and trying to build, build an audience, I think it's really important to get out there and put yourself on a platform like YouTube where things can take off naturally without, you know, by just pretty much getting found on, on search or, you know, it just takes one kind of influential person to just share something of yours and just have it take off. It, it, it does. And, and I will say this, you can't just, obviously, you, you know this from building the blog or videos that you put online, you can't just throw it out there and have it take off. Sometimes that happens. You've got to get it in the hands of the right people, or it has to be so good that it cannot be denied. And mm. we have things like that in the music business. I always think of Freddie Mercury from Queen. Mm. I think of Michael Jackson. When you watch him dance, you're like, wow, that's just impressive and and that's the kind of stuff that really takes off on YouTube. If you watch uh, the Ellen show ever, and I've, I've never actually seen the show, but I've seen all these videos that Ellen puts <laughs> online on YouTube. And she seems, she's like my, uh, my filter for all the cool videos, right? <laughs> that probably everybody else already knows about, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's always stuff that people are just like, yeah, you know, I just put it all up and, and it was so good, it, it, it took off. So I, I will say that, I mean, it's, it's, Probably maybe a bigger discussion. We always have a, a, a saying, though. It, it doesn't matter how well. I mean, how am I going to say this? <laughs> if it, you can market a bad video. We say a, a good marketing will make a bad product fail faster. So all the marketing in the mm-hmm. world won't help you if it's not good. Love it. Love it. You know, Pat. One more thing for somebody who's breaking in the music business. It's one thing to have songs. I, I think the people. And this is what YouTube is really so great for, is to build a connection. You see, 
you like, for example, you'll see these kids in their bedroom and you get the feeling like they're being bullied at school or something, but they can be a, a superstar on, on YouTube. And you really start to see into their lives and you get to see who they are as artists. And it doesn't have to be like that. That's kind of depressing, isn't it? <laughs> they get bullied at school. <laughs> but but you get to see Don't like like, like who they are. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things why your blog is taken off because you're saying, you know, you talk about the kids, you're talking about your your uh, your wife. And if we look at the artists that have, have really, really done well, like we know, like Ted Nugent hunts endangered species and he loves guns. And we know about Eminem's ex-wife, Kim, and you know, they let us into their lives. And, and I think that's one of the great things about uh, YouTube. And it certainly it works for blogging, as you can attest to. Right, right. And, and social media, too. I mean, making those connections and having those small conversations with people um, just creates fans for life. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, people want to feel like, like they know you. And that's, uh, that's one of the ways that, that they, they can do that. And that's why, speaking of social media, that I really love Twitter. Because, I mean, how cool is it that it makes it really easy for you to have not one-to-many conversations, but a one-on-one conversation and only, you know, 140 characters. And it's, it's really, really quick. So I, I would encourage everybody to use, use Twitter, if nothing else, for a way of, of interacting with people one-on-one. Yeah, I think, I think it's great advice. Now, to finish up, if you could give everybody kind of just one piece of advice before we go, um, maybe something actionable that they can they, they can take away from this. I mean, I know we've covered all different things, and I just wanted to get you on here today just to kind of just discuss stuff. You know, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, I, I feel like we should just hook up on Skype every once in a while and just talk. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, let's do that. Well, let's, uh, let, let, me give you, let me just kind of give you a big idea. And this is the way that I, I approach my company. And I think this is a mistake that a lot of people make when they're first starting out. I think about three different types of people when I think about my company. I think about visionary. I think about management. And I think about the technician. So, for example, let me give you an example of a, a technician job. I've got some people right now that are working on some graphics for me. Could I do the graphics? Yeah, I could probably do the graphics. I got somebody making a video for me. Could I do it? Yeah, I could do it. But that's more of a, a technician job. Mm-hmm. What I've got above that technician is a manager. I've got a manager, a project manager that basically I work hand in hand with her and she manages, she tells people what to do. I'm at the top, I'm the visionary, and I think about big picture things. And that's my highest, if you want to get into the 80-20 principle again, that's my highest leverage. It's not me sitting around you know, edit, editing videos. A lot of people can edit videos. But how many people can think about the big ideas that I'm thinking about? Well, just me when it comes to my market. So I spend time doing things that nobody else can. And I really love the idea. Technician is an important part of the thing. You know, I, I think that's an extremely important part of the process. It's, it's, I think of it as like a circle. It's not really like a pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. But I really enjoy part, part of the thing I like about being the, the boss or being the president or whatever you want to call it, the founder of a company is that I'm able to employ people. I'm able to give them work. And if somebody's enthusiastic about graphics or they're enthusiastic about book covers, I didn't design my own book cover, then I can hire them. I can pay them to do their passion. So I got the technicians. I've got the manager above them to make sure that the technicians do what needs to be done. And I, I just sit there and I think about big ideas. So I think about doing what it is that you do that nobody else can do. That really is the big idea, and that's where you get the most leverage. Leave you the music business example. Songwriting, for example. You can't outsource a song, but when you're writing a song, you can get leverage on that by letting the technicians go out and play it, letting those guys go out on YouTube and play it. And you're making money on that every time they're doing the work. You've already done your work. That's where the real big payoff is in anything. Songwriting sounds like an awesome thing to do. Like I, I can't imagine just writing something and then see, like hearing a band play it. I mean, that that would be so fulfilling for me. Well, it's it's not unlike what you do, Pat. I mean, you're you're writing something. It's got a you know, rhythm and it's got melody, but it, it's just you connecting to an audience. And if anybody wants to see just an incredible example of it, go download Taylor Swift record. Taylor Swift knows her audience and the way she writes or co-writes. She connects with them in a certain way where they hear that song, this, ooh, 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 that's about me, that's about me. And we've all heard songs like that, right? You go to weddings, like, oh, that's, that's our song. And if you can do that in your blog, yeah. you made. I mean, where, where, where you're speaking to a bunch of people, but they think that you're personally speaking to them. 
And, you know, and, and people think, I, I have a buddy of mine, he wrote a lot of songs for, for Britney Spears and uh, like Hit Me Baby One More Time and those big hits that everybody would have heard. And he's, you know, a 45-year-old guy. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, is it a little weird that, you know, you can, you know, channel the mind of like a 12 or 13-year-old girl? Because, yeah, it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> but that. You know, a funny story, I was talking to another guy that I know. He wrote a song called Like a Virgin by Madonna. Did you know that was written by two dudes? Uh-uh. No, nobody knows that, right? Like I mean, a virgin. It's all Madonna wrote that because it's so perfect for her. Nope. So, you know, that's, and that's where the real leverage is. Madonna's still out there on tour, and those guys are still collecting those royalties. Yeah, so. that's crazy. All right, David. Thanks for uh, thank you so much for your time. I mean, like I said, we could just talk for hours, I'm sure, and we'll have to get you back on some time and and you know maybe talk about how the book did. Pat, I'm I'm going to keep track of of this book. We'll give it away free at musicianbook.com, and I will report back to you with. It's very scary to me to release it for free, and it's brand new up there. But I'll, I'll report back with you and let you know how that did because uh, I'm trying to spread ideas here, and I'd like to encourage other people to spread their ideas and, and trust, just like what we're talking about. Yeah, well, you know me and free. I mean, if if you can inspire people and change people's lives with your book, uh, they're going to want to pay you back one way or another. Absolutely. All right, cool, David. Thanks. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sure. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with David Hooper. Again, if you go to musicmarketing.com or musicianbook.com, you can get the PDF version of Six Figure Musician for 100% free, which is really cool. Of course, just reading a book or a PDF file isn't going to get you six figures in the music industry or any industry, really. Uh, But David's been at this since 1995, so he definitely knows a thing or two about how to give yourself the best chance to do that. So again, David, thank you for your time, and everyone else listening, thank you for listening to the show. If you're interested, this is if you're interested in writing an ebook. Uh, I recommend you check out my free book, ebooksthesmartway.com, where you can get my guide on how to publish, automate, and market an ebook. Again, 100% free for a simple exchange of your email address in order to get that book. And you can unsubscribe to that list uh, if you want at any time. But just just stay on a couple of weeks to, to get some of the exclusive tips. If you're not convinced, then by all means, just unsubscribe. But stick around and you'll see that it's worth it. You can sign up for the newsletter again at ebooksthesmartway.com and get a free PDF of ebooks the smart way. Thanks, everyone. I'll see you in session 58. Um, and I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.